Good to be together this morning. My name's Tim, and welcome to Gitterald Church. And um, I hope you, uh, you can get used to this. It's a little different, isn't it, when you're looking at people and you're singing, and you see if they're singing or not. I mean, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's great to be together, and um, you guys got the best seat in the house because you get to see everything. And you get, you get to see the back of me. No, no, not really. Sorry. But um, good, good to have you all here. And... Um, I hope that uh, you're blessed by being with us today at Greater Alton. Okay, we're in a sermon series. I know we've had, the last few weeks has been kind of um, different, hasn't it? I mean, we had ice and snow coming down. We had to cut the services short. Uh, I'd already, I preached today's lesson in the first service. So today I came with two sermons, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm really ready, okay? I've got two, you, dangerous to have a preacher with two. You know how long I go with one? Just think of, no, you're not going to hear both today. But, but I, I did something back there uh, different uh, out of Acts 3, and today we're going to look at uh, what I planned to talk to you when we had our snowstorm that cut the services short. We're in this series called the Book of Acts. We've called it Unfinished on Purpose because the Bible tells us that uh, really the Book of Acts was written to tell us what, what continued to happen, uh, that Jesus began to do and teach what he, he continued to do and, and, and through the apostles. And one of the things that, if you'll notice here up on the screen, is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Um, look what it says here. Jesus said this to his disciples, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria uh, and to the ends of the earth. And he says you're going to be a witness. You're going to be this person that goes out and you're going to talk about Jesus you're not going to just mention him. You're going to model me. You're going to complete what I've started here on earth, and it's going to go far. I want to show you something else in the book of Acts I think is interesting. There's another passage up on the screen that's, um, that relates to what we're going to talk about today, because today I want to talk about when opportunity knocks. Because I don't believe things happen by coincidence. I know maybe some, I don't believe all things happen by coincidence. How's that? There may be a few things you go, well, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, or the wrong place at the wrong time. And I know, we might, we wonder about that. But when it comes to getting this job done, this unfinished work, God is on purpose. There's no coincidences. Look at this in Acts 17. Luke records these words. It says, God began by, and this is the words of the Apostle Paul, who encountered a moment with God, an opportunity. It says, God began by making one man, he tells the people in Athens here. And from him he made all different, all different people who lived everywhere in the world. He decided exactly when and where they would live. God wanted people to look for him, and perhaps in searching all around for him, they would find him. But he is not far from any one of us. You know, I get the impression that the Apostle Paul believed, and I believe he's right, that God ordained moments when we, when, when we meet people. It wasn't by accident that you were met. It wasn't, by, it wasn't a coincidence that you met somebody that helped you find Christ. It wasn't coincidental that you maybe had a family member that mentioned Christ to you. Uh, I don't believe it's, it's by coincidence that I was born into a home that had a grandmother and a mother of faith. That we had a heritage, and, and, and they passed a lot of their faith on to me. And uh, I don't believe it's coincidental that I happened to meet my wife at the county fair. And there I found out about Christ in a way I'd never heard before. I thought I knew Christ until I met Denise. And then I found out, wow. I've even went to the, went to the trouble of longitude and latituding the coordinates to find the exact spot 
where I met her, I know that was a moment. Not that, oh, she's a wonderful person. She is a wonderful person. But I'm telling you that, that what changed my life was the message and her willingness to be a witness in the 70s. And that wasn't easy then. To stand up for Jesus, to mention Christ, to model Christ for me. And when I would say, I don't want to hear anything, she'd say, well, let me tell you one more thing. I have a letter in my memory box. I'm not trying to embarrass her. I have a letter in my memory box where I broke up with her because I got tired of hearing about the Bible. And I loved the Bible, but she was just off the chain with it. And, and I remember breaking up with her, and she sent me a letter. Can you believe this? Any, girls, any of you girls ever sent a letter after a breakup to a guy? Maybe on Facebook? With a sad face? Yeah. Well, this wasn't one of those letters. It wasn't like, you know, you're gonna, you really messed up this time. You're going to rue the day you broke up with me, Tim Gale. No, she didn't have none of that to say. She didn't say that. She says, you know, Tim, I hope we can still be friends. Um, you know, I'm sorry that we're, we've broken up. Uh, I've got a few more scriptures I'd like to share with you. <laughs> it's a truth. It's a truth. And I'm like, she's got six or seven of these. And some of them are saying, repent. Or perish. It's in the letter. Repent or perish. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. Oh, here we go again. You know, she's giving, repent and turn to God and your sins will be wiped out. Not everybody who calls on the name of the Lord or, or says the Lord, says he's Lord, Lord, is going to be saved. Just you say, cry to me, Lord, Lord. It doesn't mean that you belong. I'm like, that's Matthew 7. I'm going, the nerve. But she continued... She felt like, you know what, I've got a chance here. I'm going to, whether he's going to be with me or not, I want him to be with the Lord. That's a good, that's, think about that. That's not a bad idea, to, a bad attitude to have when it comes to our enemies, people that mistreat us. You know, I, I um, talked with somebody today whose father died and um, he had a girlfriend that lived in his house, and she's trying to get the house after he died. The girlfriend is. She has made a fake will and is turning it into the court. He's going to court tomorrow with his family to deal with this. And as we're praying together this morning, I mentioned to him, I said, You know, uh, God, would you help us see the bigger picture that it's not about a house? It's not about a will. Or sentimental things. But this woman needs you. And you know what he says on the phone? Amen, amen. You know, it's like, you know, what a great attitude to have when even when people wrong you. And so here, here's um, what I notice is uh, what I notice about this passage here is that God ordains and plans moments. And you can probably think of the moment you met someone who helped you find Christ or got you closer to God. You know, there's, there's, I, I think of a couple of church camps I attended where I had a pivotal talk with someone and we prayed together and it changed my life. There's places even in this building, little holy places I've had conversations with people that are talking to me about what I need to work on. And I don't believe it's coincidental. You know, I used to think, you know, people say, Tim, I'd like to talk to you at church. Why do you want to talk to me at church? Uh, where's a better place to talk? 
Sometimes it gets a bad rap, doesn't it? But that's what we come together to do, to encourage and help one another. And I just notice in this passage that, that Paul is saying that God is not far from any of us. How is that possible? Could it be because there's a witness close by? That God was close to you in your life at some time but through a person. And they, they were just faithful. They weren't Ben Carson. They weren't brain surgeons. They didn't have a lot on the ball. But they somehow fumbled and bumbled their way and helped you find Christ. Isn't that something? That's amazing. Isn't it amazing? You read Acts 4, it says they were unschooled, ordinary men. But they, were, but they could tell they'd been with Jesus. They acted like Jesus. They mentioned Jesus and they modeled Jesus. And because of that, God was real close to wherever they were. People could have an opportunity to find God through that person, through that Christian, through that apostle, through that leader, through that follower of God. And see, Acts is filled with moments, all these different moments, these, when opportunity knocks, when the doors open, when God opens the door. You find, you find on the day of Pentecost, why would God start his church on the day of Pentecost? Well, it happened to be during the Roman Empire. I believe, it's my opinion, that he waited till the world, most of the world was connected, the, first, at the very first time most of the world was connected, that he brought his church into the picture. I thought, why didn't he wait till, till today? Well, he could have waited till today. Look at the communication we have today. But he waited, I think, for the best, first and best opportunity he could have. And it was during the Roman Empire. And Pentecost brought Jews from all over the world to Jerusalem. What better time to open a door of opportunity for people to hear about Christ? And it's not just Pentecost. You see in the book of Acts, they're meeting at church buildings or synagogues is what we would call them. They were meeting, there's moments in synagogues on a dirt desert, deserted dirt road we're going to look at today. Sometimes it happened on the beach. Guys are walking along the beach and they run into a woman named Lydia and they, they share Christ. It can sometimes, an opportunity, a door can open during a riot, during something bad or violent. You know, how many times we've, we see Paul and the apostles getting involved in a riot and, uh, and, and going to jail on top of that. They're in jail and an earthquake happens. And what hap- what, 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 what's the results of it? Someone says, what do I do to be saved? Where did you get the idea that we knew the answer to that? We, I heard you singing while I put you in stocks in the jail. And when the earthquake happened, you didn't, guys didn't panic. I did. Here's all these opportunities, doors opening all the time on a ship. On an island in the market, at the temple. In Acts 3, you see a beggar at the temple. Now, our mindset is we think of the temple today as, as this place a building, a sanctuary. You know, for those of us who don't believe it's a holy place, we say an auditorium. You know what I'm saying? We kind of down, downplay it. You know, I remember as a kid, we grew up calling it a sanctuary. It was a holy place. Wherever you go, guys, is holy. If you're a Christian, everywhere you go is holy. Because you're the temple. But you can imagine, in Acts 3, you've got this, they're in the temple courts, and there's a door opens with a guy that is lame. And from it... A wave of growth takes place. God begins to work. No, God works 
in so many different places. He works wherever you are. That's what I want you to understand. Wherever you are, he's he's put himself close by someone. If we could just get that. I mean, I think about the people who were close to God that got close to me, and I found Christ because of that. And now God wants to use me to do the same with others. By the way, God's still using people close to me to help me. Isn't he still using people close to you to help you? And so it's, so it's God, is, he's not far from any of us. His help, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his power, all of that we have access to because there's a witness somewhere close by encouraging us to trust God a little more. And today what I want to talk about is how can you and I, during this month of March when we start having, we're having basketball games, but it's bigger than basketball games, right? We know that. I hope you know that. That we also see an opportunity open that someone might listen to God. You might make someone a little closer to God. You may not get somebody all the way to the baptistry, but you have done something to nudge them closer to a relationship with Christ. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get at today. Okay? Look what the Bible says here in your notes. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It sounds like he's saying, you know, God has prepared ahead of time some things he wants you to do. Could, would it be stretching it to say places to, where to be, people to meet, opportunities to do good? Absolutely. And so God has planned his opportunities to use his witnesses, you and I, in a way in advance to be witnesses. That's why I think if you go to chapter 5 in Ephesians, look what it says here up on the screen and in your notes. So be careful how you act. These are difficult days. Is that true today? These are difficult days. Don't be fools. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. I thought it would say, make the most of every opportunity to know your Bible really well. That's a true statement. That's a true statement. Or, you know, take advantage and make the most of every opportunity to be stronger in your faith. That's a true statement. But he says, no, I want to tell you to use your opportunity to do something good to someone in the world. Because the days are evil. It's, it's a, man, it's a messed up world. Right? It is so sideways. Where are the people that are going to do the good in this world? Well, the government, you know, the government will take care of our problems. No, the government, God will take care of our problems, church. I mean, the government's, you know, I I don't agree with Donald Trump on a lot of stuff, but I got to admit, when he pointed at these two guys and said, politicians aren't getting the job done, I couldn't help but think, oh, you think you you might get the job done? Christ gets the job done, the real job. I want you to think about that. And he wants to use you. God wants to use you. You're part of the answer to this broken world. And, and, and how, that, how does that get unleashed? When I'm willing to do good, when I recognize opportunities, and I, I let God use me. Now, what I want to do is, if you've got a Bible or a cell phone or an iPad or, I don't know, if you've got it tattooed on your body somewhere, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. Did I say that? I did. <laughs> we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. 
It's a long tattoo here. Okay, well, look what it says here in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Here's an example, many of the examples in the book of Acts of opportunity. Here's an example of one right here, and it's one we're familiar with. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, to the desert road that goes south from Jerusalem to Gaza. By the way, there's only two roads that go from Jerusalem to Gaza. And there's the main highway, and then there's the Route 66 dirt roadway. And God's asking uh, Philip to take the dirt road, the desert road. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the men reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who was the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began at that very passage of Scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. What do we learn here? We see, we see a, an opportunity. We see a door open. God opens a door for a witness, for a, for a disciple. And, and Philip goes through this door. What do we learn from Philip? What can we learn as we get ready to start a month-long, I dare say the word campaign, it's really a month-long emphasis, focus, on, on bringing people to Christ. You know, guys, March Madness is, is not just, uh, it's about competition in basketball. But there needs to be a little madness in the kingdom. We do a little maddening stuff, you know, some crazy stuff. You know, this is crazy stuff happening here in Acts. This guy's got a successful thing going on in Samaria, and which, which is incredible. I mean, the apostles show up, everybody's excited, and God says, I'm taking you out of that, and I'm taking you over here. Well, that was unexpected, almost like an, a game that was an upset. Like, well, I didn't expect that. I thought that team would run right over them. They're beat? Yeah, they were out the first round. Unexpected. That's why they call it March Madness. You never know what's going to happen. Who's going to be in the finals? And the same is true in the kingdom. The, the Bible says the kingdom blows this way, that way. The wind blows. No one knows where it's going. No one knows where it's come from. I'm thinking, man, that fits me. That fits us, doesn't it? We don't know where it's coming from. We don't even know where we're going sometimes. It's got that topsy-turvy, who knows what's going to happen. And the Spirit tells Philip, I want you to go in the middle of nowhere. And Philip says, okay. Because there's an opportunity in a place you least expect. So how do I take advantage of these moments that I can share Jesus, that I can do good? I can help people find Christ. Well, let me give you a few here. By the way, I cut out one point from the last time I talked about this. So you're... You know, you ought to be happy, okay? All right. Number one, I look for opportunities. 
I would say, I expect God to open doors. So I'm looking for opportunities. You gotta, you, you, guys, you're either one camp or the other this morning. You're either in the camp that says, you're the side that says, everything, you know, God, God plans things to happen, and, and, and as a Christian, I'm aware of that, and I, and I expect that. Or you're the other side going, oh, just a chance. It's just by coincidence. The only reason I'm a Christian is because I was born in a Christian nation. If I was, a, if I was born in an Islamic nation, I'd be Muslim. If I was born in Israel, I'd be a Jew. You really believe that? That's, it's, just, it's just a coincidence I happen to be where I'm living and all this stuff. I don't care what the Bible says if it says exact places. I don't believe that. It's just by chance. The other side, the rest of you are in this camp. You're saying, you know what? I didn't realize God works so much in my life. And God's trying to work on this earth. He's trying to get something done, and he wants to use me. Okay, God, where is it going to happen today? And you're looking for those opportunities. You should expect it. Jesus said this in John 4 to his disciples. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He says, focus on the fields. What's what's Jesus talking about? Look at the people. Just focus on the people and you'll see opportunity. A time to harvest. A time to bring someone closer to me. See, good witnesses, listen to this. Good witnesses are observant people. If you're going to have a trial, and you're, you know, and you got, and you want, and you want to get cleared of something that you don't believe you were, you were, are guilty of, you want a good witness, don't you? And you want to know, you want them to. I was there, and I saw it. They're observant. Good witnesses are observant. To be a good witness for Jesus Christ means you're observant as well, and you're looking for those opportunities. You're looking for those moments when, man, it seems like God's opening a door here. And so I just want to ask you, this, as we get started, this whole month of March, the whole month of March, because I'm afraid what's going to happen is, guys, we're going to hit the ground running and run out of gas about halfway through. You know, right when Easter comes. And this is a, this is a great opportunity for us to encourage each other, just to get, you know, get, enjoy. Yes, I know some of you aren't sports fans, and we're not trying to convert anybody over to sports fans, okay? We're trying to convert people over to Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, use this as an opportunity to reach some of your friends that might be sports fans. And, and, and just use this opportunity. Be observant. Look for those places where God is going to open a door because God will open a door in front of you. You can expect it. Well, that makes me nervous, Tim. He's the one that opened the door. He must think you can do something about it. If he's brought you to it, He'll help you through it. Yeah. If he's brought you to it, you, you can do it. He believes you can do it. So here in Acts, in Acts 8, we see an angel of the Lord saying to Philip here in verses 26 and 27, he says, get ready and go south to, to that desert road. And he does. So Philip did. And look what it says. It says that on the road he saw a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch. In other words, he was looking for this. I'm supposed to go here. So he's looking. Do you look for opportunity? Those that look, find it. Those that are looking, find it. If you pay attention, if you'll pay attention, ask God to give you that focus. Help me see the fields where they're, where they're ripe. Help me see opportunities. God will reveal to you that opportunity. When do people think about God the most? I've thought about that. 
when do think, I think about when do I think about God the most? And, and when there's an opportunity, I think about the opportunities that were, that I've had that have reached me and the opportunities that doors opened where I could reach my family and friends. And I've learned there's, there are moments when doors are opened. They're opened by God. For example, when somebody dies, when somebody dies, that's an opportunity for people. They start thinking about Christ. They start thinking about God. When my father passed away, my family, my family, it was easy to talk to them about Christ. And my family was like a... Nanny can verify it. They weren't heaven raisers. How's that? <laughs> they weren't heaven raisers. <laughs> it was a crazy family. Still is. Okay. But, you know, but I just remember when my father passed away, the, the, the amount of opportunity, I got to talk to my cousin. I got to talk to my brother Danny. It just, it just opened up doors like crazy. And, and, and maybe you can recall, you know, I was thinking about Christ a lot. Or I remember talking to a friend of mine who had lost a, maybe a loved one. And could you see the door was open? It opens when people die. When people get married, they think about God. I have a uh, nephew, James, named after my father. And he is getting married this year. Um, and James has not been, and he would admit, not the most spiritual fellow. He wasn't into raising heaven, okay? I mean, you know, like we said before. And uh, he's talking to my, his dad, my brother, and he says, You know, I guess Uncle Tim's going to want us to get some premarital counseling before we get married. And so... Uh, you guys don't know if you saw uh, Dustin and Beth uh, were here, Bunning were here a couple of weeks ago, and we're trying to get them to to get with James and his fiance. Wouldn't that be that'd be so cool? You know, Mount Carmel, and because he's open to it. Oh, let's look at that. When people get divorced, they think about God. Thank you, God, for getting me out of that marriage. No, wait a minute. No, that's not it. <laughs> but you know, they go. They do think about God. They think of it. You know what I'm saying? They're open to looking at their relationship with God. Because when you get divorced, I've been told this, your emotions are all over the road. Am I right? Okay. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And you're looking for something to hold you together. So when people get divorced, sometimes they're open. When people have children. When they have children. And they're open a long time. To God. You know, they, you know, some of the some young couples think when they they're not going to church anywhere and they're going they're having a child they have a child you know maybe we need to go to church because we want to make sure this kid isn't going to give us too much trouble. I heard a parent say this to me. I heard a parent say this to me in this building one time. When you have my children, you have me. It's a reality. When your kids are teenagers, I'm telling you what you are after God something awful. If you wait that long, you'd be surprised how many adults, how many parents are open. You know, we got to do something fast. Something's wrong. Something's not right here. And it's an opportunity. When people have moved, they've moved from one city to another. They're starting a new, starting a new job, starting, a new, starting to live in a new place. You'd be surprised that they have no, they don't really have a lot of friends. It's a new place, and 
a Christian who's kind and considerate and sensitive, the door opens for them. When a person's going through a crisis, let's name it physical crisis, emotional crisis, maybe going through an addiction and they're crying out, oh God, you got to help me. And then you cross paths with them and you open your mouth. You know what they think? God's answered my prayer. That's what they assume. And, it, and it's a good assumption that you're there at the right place at the right time. I believe that's what's happening to the eunuch. He is, he is not allowed, according to Deuteronomy 23, he's not allowed to go into the temple. So he drives thousands of miles. We know this. A lot of you know this. He goes thousands of miles and, and he can't even go in into the temple area. But he's still reading. He's still seeking God. Longs to have a relationship with God. He's read the passage in Isaiah where it says that God is going to call eunuchs. He's going to even bring eunuchs to him. And he's like, when is it going to happen to me, Lord? And then all of a sudden he meets Philip by coincidence? You've got to be kidding me. Coincidence? No. God sees him seeking, and he rewards his seeking by putting a witness that lets God use him. So when you're crossing paths with people, you may be an answer to that person's prayer. Do you see that? That's an opportunity, opportunity to change a life. Right now, right now, look closely. And I bet you... If you think about it enough, you're going to go, I already know who it is, Tim, I'm supposed to be talking to. I already know. Right now. And you're like, man, God, now? Now. If you don't do something, I don't know. Don't make me send another one. I want you. You're my first choice. I want you. I think you're the best person for the job. But I don't know what I'm doing. That's why you're the best person for the job. Because he doesn't need to see somebody polished and they got it all together. He needs to see somebody that's just as messed up. That depends on God because that's what it's about. Look for the opportunities. Number two, I respond when God nudges. What are you talking about, Tim? Holy hunches? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. When the Spirit of God nudges you, you respond to it in a positive way. It says here, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up the chariot. God uses the Holy Spirit to nudge His people. God will use the Holy Spirit to nudge you. You ever had this happen? You're somewhere and you're feeling this nudge like, should I invite them to church? And you start having this little argument inside. I don't know if I should. I mean, here we are at Snooks. I don't know. You know, we're in line. Or, you know, a guy's got a flat tire and you're changing the tire. I just feel like I need to do more than change his tire. Maybe I need to invite him, you know, invite him to church or, or, or ask to pray with him. Or something. You know, should I do that? Should I? And we have this little argument where, we, you know, we're fighting this urge, this nudge. Happens to me all the time. I'm fighting it all the time. If you want, if you want God to use you, man, you've got, you've got to... Resist the resistance, okay? And, 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 and let God use you. Look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. That's a command. God says, don't hold me back. Don't hold my work back. Don't resist me. In fact, look what he says in Romans 8 here. The true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. 
Instead of resisting, respond to it and say, Lord, you know, what do I, use me. I don't know how you're going to use me. I don't know who it's going to be. But, oh, God, give me the courage. I'm a scaredy cat. I'll admit it. I'm a scaredy cat. I'm a coward. Anybody else cowards in here besides me? Oh, some of you are too afraid to lift your hand. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, but some of us here, you know, we're so afraid. Oh, I'm, I'll mess it up. Really? You're worried about messing it up. I understand. I do too. I worry about messing this sermon up. But I figure, well, I mean, I'm already in. Might as well just go ahead and just get it over with. And I'm just simply saying to you, church, you know, uh, that, that, you know, ask God. To, you know, the Bible says God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of fear, but give us power. You call on that power and say, God, give me the courage to say something. When you feel that nudge from the Holy Spirit saying, I need to invite this person to church or invite him to a basketball game. You know, I have no trouble talking about fixing a 4L60E transmission. I have no trouble talking to anybody about that. Why is that? Because I don't think it's going to challenge them. But I want you to know, the greatest news out there is not how to fix a 4L60E transmission. I'm, I, I figured that out. That the biggest life-changing message we can give is when we talk about Jesus to people. Well, how, what, is, what, do you, what do you specifically? What should I say, Tim? I don't, just figure it out. I love God. What's wrong with saying that? You know, Jesus has been good to me. What's wrong with that? You know, I just want to, I want to encourage you. You know, I like my church. I, I remember one time somebody said, I listened to somebody inviting somebody, says, would it be okay if I invite you to my church? You know what the person said? Well, sure. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't hard at all, was it? You know, don't let your fear keep you from the Holy Spirit using you. It's time to use, let's talk, it's, guys, it's time we use the stuff that God has given us. The knowledge and the power that He gives us. So call on God. God interrupt. If you were interrupting me with somebody, if you if you want to use me, help me see it and help me respond. Help me respond to what you have to say, what you what you have to do. Okay. Here's a third one. Go the extra mile. I just go the extra mile. A lot of lot of debate and discussion about you know how we help people find Christ and and there's a lot of People probably, I know, are a lot better at it than I am. But the Bible is real good here. It helps me. And I know Philip's good at it. And look what it says here. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. God says to Philip, I want you to go to that chariot and stay there. Now, the chariot isn't standing still. Clop, 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 clop. It's going down the road, folks. And so he runs up to it. And I, I, what I notice is, and maybe you could help me here, who do you see working the hardest in this passage? Is it Philip or the eunuch? They're both working. One's searching in the scriptures and trying to understand it, wrestling through it. Now the guy's running. Who's working the hardest here? It's Philip, isn't it? You know, reaching people isn't easy work. It's going to take it some extra miles. The eunuch is riding. He's riding. Philip is running. Are you, are you trying to imply we should chase people? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you're not, well, you don't want me to chase people that aren't interested. Uh, who's he chasing? He's chasing a person that is interested. Of course you don't chase somebody that's not interested. But you need to be very careful that you know the difference. Okay? It didn't, you know, I, I've learned some, I learned from this is that leading people to Christ doesn't happen automatically. It takes lots of energy and lots of extra miles if I'm going to be a witness. Like, well, even the implication there of our very first passage, you'll be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and <laughs> it's a full court all around the world. Sounds like somebody's going to be running a lot. Sounds like somebody's going to be working a lot. What am I trying to say without offending you, all of you? Christ didn't get us here to sit and soak. He wants to use you and I. And it takes looking for that opportunity. It takes responding to that nudge. And in some cases, it may be going an extra mile. Maybe making an extra phone call or or some extra time or some extra gas or some extra money or some extra patience. Oh, i got to hear that story again. Yeah. You think I repeat myself? I've always done that. And, and those people that were reaching out to me, those group of people that Denise brought me to, they would put up with my, my pig stories over and over like they'd heard it for the first time. Why do people do that? Why do people... Why do people serve me and stay up late at night to help me through things? Why did people give me rides? Because they were going the extra mile, hoping God would touch my life. What would have happened to the eunuch if Philip had stopped running? He said, I'm I'm a two-mile-limit guy. What if someone, what if your Philip had quit running too soon? Where would you be? Sometimes you've got to go the extra mile. The Apostle Paul said this, So everywhere we go, everywhere, we tell everyone about Christ. He says, We warn them and teach them with all the wisdom God has given us. Why? For we want to present them as to God, perfect in their relationship with, with, to Christ. And then he says this, I work very hard at this. I work very hard at this. I... And I, that's challenging to me. I mean, if you would say, I work very hard at this, what would this be? I work very hard in my business. I work very hard at home. I work very hard in my, my family. I work very hard at having a good time and leisure. Paul says, well, i tell you what I work for, Tim, because I count my life worth nothing unless I do this, I finish this task. I work very hard at helping people everywhere find Christ. And guys, I don't know how it is. I get tired sometimes in the kingdom. And I'm so glad the Apostle Paul goes on to say, I work very hard at this as I depend on Christ's power that works within me. I just depend on God to give me a little more energy. I don't want to preach today. I don't want to talk today. You know, I, I, somebody says that preachers think about leaving and moving every Monday morning. 
I've learned that's, that's not true. It's all the time. We think about it all the time. And I go, Lord, get me through one more Sunday. Give me enough power. I love that. Just enough strength to live for today. I've sang that song going, yeah, man, (laughs) for today. Get me through the next hour. And you know what God does every Sunday? Every Sunday, he gets me through that hour. He gets me through every day. And it's his power. Only by his power, he'll get you through whatever you're going through now. I go the extra mile. Think about the people who went the extra mile for you for just a minute. Think about Jesus who went the extra mile. Oh my, millions of miles extra. And I just want to ask you to conjure up this commitment this next month to say, you know what, I'm going to, go, I'm going to do some extra mileage here. We're talking about how some of these games are going to require a lot of help cleaning up and setting up. And, you know, there's already been some dialogue like, well, I don't know if the church will respond to that. I'm like, what are we, what's happening to us then? If we can't clean up and set up a basketball court four Sundays, for four Saturdays, isn't it, Mike? Is it four Saturdays? So I'm like, yeah, that's it. We can't do that? What's happening to us? We can do that. Let's go the extra mile. Let's go the extra mile. Number four, I break the ice. I break the ice. If I, if, if I want to take advantage of the opportunity God has opened for me, I gotta to learn to break the ice here. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm a wimp at breaking the ice. But look at this passage here. It encourages me. I hope it will you. But before God can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in Him. And before they can believe in Him, they must hear about Him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. What's he saying? Somebody's got to break the ice. Now, I always think it ought to be someone, someone else. You like that? <laughs> you find yourself going, yeah, I believe it's ought to be someone, someone else, Tim. Well, someone has to break the ice. And if God is, guys, sometimes you just got to be, you've got to be bold. You've got to bring it up. I had somebody say one time to me, well, you know, Tim, there's a doorknob and a door of opportunity on the inside. And people, you know, they've got to open the door. Well, I notice there's a doorknob on the other side, too. And sometimes the door can be opened if I will just be a little bold and risk it a little bit and bring it up and talk about it. Look how Philip breaks the ice. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? I, here's the context I hear it in. <laughs> do, do, you, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> you know, because he's running. How can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invites Philip in to, to come up and sit with him. And Philip's like, amen to that. Don't have to run anymore. But he's, he opens it to get, can you believe this? He breaks the ice with a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Uh, Debbie Weiler was telling me about a, she was watching Duck Dynasty and Phil Robertson was in a, a bass boat fishing with a buddy and he just says, so basically says, what's your relation with God like? Just puts it out there. 
His friend knows Phil is a Christian, and he teaches and preaches. I bet most of your friends, a lot of your friends know you're a Christian. Would they really be surprised if you brought up God and they know you're a Christian? I don't think so. Now, if they were surprised, you've got a problem, okay? You've got a big problem there. But if people know you're a Christian, you don't have to be preachy and teachy and, you know, get your voice way down in the south and talk like God and Jesus. You don't have to talk like that. No, it's, you break the ice sometimes with just a question. It's not complicated. It's just maybe a question. Because I'll be honest with you, when I try to break the ice, I kind of freeze up too. And I've watched, I've watched people, and I would say, you know, get with somebody that knows how to break the ice that you've, you're impressed with, uh, and watch them how they break the ice. But sometimes breaking the ice is just a simple question. Not complicated at all. Pray. Ask God to give you the words. Ask God to deal with your fear and let him give you the words. Because he does promise that in, Mark, in, in Matthew 10 here, that, that he will give you the words to say. And number five, share what I know. If I want to take advantage of this opportunity, I want to encourage you to share what you know. So I'll know very much. That's okay. You share what you know. You know, the blind man, what, what did the blind man say one time? Because I don't know if this guy's a sinner or not, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> That's all he said. And sometimes I, I don't know all the Bible verses, but I think somewhere it says, that's not a bad idea. That's okay. I don't know all the Bible verses on this topic, but I just, don't, I, I just know that God's helped me. I don't know anything about that church. I don't know anything about this church, but I'll tell you, I've been helped. It's simple, simple stuff here. Look at he says, Philip began at the very patch of Scripture and told him the good news. He started telling, he was familiar with the good news. I want to encourage you, you need to be familiar with the gospel. If, I, I remember challenging everybody here to read the book of Acts at the beginning of the sermon series. Are you? Are you learning? Are you re- reading the book of Acts? Are you reading the Word of God? Because it is tough to talk about what you don't know about. Ron Willingham, in a book called How to Speak So People Will Listen, said the first, the first principle you need to learn if you want to get people's attention and talk in a way that will help them and they'll listen is talk about what you know. Now, Bob Doty, my father-in-law, is not what you'd call a type A person. He's not a... A's outgoing, right? Now, okay. He's more of a B, maybe three or four B's. He grunts. He talks real low like this. I don't know what he just said. First time I met him. And I'm sitting in the living room, scared to death. He goes, and I go, I guess. He's reading the paper. And he goes, uh. I go, I don't know. And then I hear, he goes, and Norma says, no, Bob, we're having chicken tonight. I'm like, how does she know his language? This man's speaking in some foreign language. It's called grumble. I don't know. And then then he goes, and Norma didn't answer. Denise didn't answer. And I went, yes. And And he goes, takes a newspaper down and gives me a stare. And I go, what did I just say? I was a communist or something? Or what did I just say? I 
He remembers that conversation. I don't remember what he said, though. But the reason I bring him up is because he took the Ron Willingham course, How to Speak So People Will Listen. And guess what he talked about? Farming. Because there's nobody knows more about farming than Bob Doty. I'm telling you, that man knows his stuff. He's a millionaire because he's, he's a, far, a good farmer. Knows exactly what to do. And I'm just like, and he, and he, and he, I remember him getting in front of us, Norma and Denise and I and, uh, and Shonda and a few others, and he's going to practice in front of us. And I'm sitting there going, this guy who mumbles and speaking clearly and confidently, because he, why? He's talking about what he knows. And if you want to go, man, I want to be more confident in talking about the gospel, get to know it better. Just get to know it better. Read your Bible. He said, you know, I started off reading my Bible, didn't know anything the Bible says. Now I can talk for hours about it. I know that's true. It's just a little at a time. But talk about what you know. Oh, I don't know. All I'm doing is reading my Bible. Talk about that. I'm reading my Bible. Really? What are you reading? I'm reading my Bible. I don't understand it. What's wrong with that? The guy will go, wow, you're not faking it. You're not trying to pose. You're being a legitimate, you know, Man, man of integrity. That's, I love that. That'll draw people to you and to Christ. Look what the Bible says here. The, the, apostle, the, the apostle said in Acts 4 up there on the screen, when they were challenged about not talking anymore, not talking about what they know, they said, we can't, cannot stop talking about what we've seen and heard. And I'll tell you guys, it's easy, he said, it's easy to talk about this because we've saw it and we know it. That's what he's saying. And if you want, to make, you want it to be easier for you to talk about Christ, know Him better, and that will take care of itself. It says here in 1 Thessalonians 1, The good news, the gospel, we brought to you came not only with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with sure knowledge that it, that it is true. And, that, and look what, look what this, this expositor Bible says. In other words, with great conviction. I talk about what I know. If I talk about what I don't know, you know what people say? You don't know what you're talking about. Every time I've tried to fake it and say, well, I think I know something about that. I don't know how many times I've had conversations with Denise. She goes, you don't know what you're talking about. I finally go, you're right. I don't. Then stop talking. And I went, you know what? You're right. So I guess I better go know what it says so I can talk about it. And when you talk about it, when you talk about, talk about Christ, let me encourage you to be nice. To be nice. Look what it says here. Is that, there's one more passage, Nathan. Look at this passage. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. You know, if I, in other words, depend on His power. Depend on God. Make Him Lord. Listen to everything He says. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the reason for the hope that you have. Be be prepared. Be ready. I almost have said something political. I'm not going to say it. Just be be ready. Get yourself ready. Are you preparing? I don't read my Bible. Why not? I have no reason to read it. There's a command right there. It says you better you better think about that again. Because the, the, why would you not want to read something you're not going to be judged by? How embarrassing it would be to get to heaven and go, okay, Tim, you know, we're going to look at the Word of God. And do you, you remember what it said? No, I never bothered to read it. You mean we're going to judge you by a law you didn't even, wasn't interested enough to even look at? Well, you're going to have a bad day. Be prepared, he says. 
But look, he says, do it with gentleness and respect. In other words, be nice. Don't act like a know-it-all. Don't act like you're better than anybody. You know, it's not that I'm better than anybody. God is better. God is the best. And just make it, and, and make it, make sure that it's not about I'm on top of things and you're not. You know, and maybe because when I was younger, I did that more often. It seems like I'm admitting I'm wrong more than when I'm in my 50s than any time of my life. You feel sorry for me? No. And I, I, I'm just learning. I don't know as much as I thought I did. And I found it not to be that dismantling. It doesn't disarm me at all. In fact, God's able to be seen much better when I'll just be humble and admit when I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, the results of that were astounding. When Philip would just said, I'm just going to tell you what I know. I'm going to, I see an opportunity. I'm going to obey the, God, the Lord's nudge. I'm going to break the ice. I'm going to tell you what I know. And, and the results of was this guy became a Christian. It's simple. I say it's simple. I know some of you are going, it's not simple for me. Well, I just, I want to, well, let's pray. I want to pray for you then. Because God wants, doesn't want it to be so, you'd be all uptight all the time about this. But being able to just talk about Him in a natural way and help people find Him. God's going to open a door and He wants you to speak. He wants you to speak up, will you? Let's take advantage of this month, this activity we have. Let's take advantage of it. And let's see what we can do to open some doors or walk through some doors, okay? How about you make a deal with me? How about we make a deal together that this week we're going to be looking for those opportunities? This week we look for those opportunities, and if we crash and burn, we speak up anyway. And what you're going to find out is there's not going to be any holes in you. You're going to be fine. So let me encourage you. This week we look for opportunities and we speak up. Opportunities to invite people to church. Opportunities to do good. To serve. Opportunities to express our love. Opportunities to encourage someone. Can we do that? You all in on that? Let's try that, okay? Let's pray here and we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the simplicity of it. Many times, Lord, I look at this and go... That's too simple. It's got to be more complicated. And, and Father, I know, I know men like me and women like me sometimes can complicate the Bible so much. Lord, I just pray that it's simple today, that we just grasp just how good it can be to be used by you, Father. I, I don't know of any greater joy than when I know you've, you've used me in someone's life. And, Father, we just pray you'll, that um, you'll help us see the doors, the opportunities that open. Father, give us the courage, give us the faith to, let, to, to respond to your nudge in a positive way, the courage to break the ice, the, the, the energy to go the extra mile. And Father, I guess the humility just to talk about what we know. And Father, um, I just think about the results are astounding when your people agree to be a witness. Help us as Greater Alton to capture that vision this next month here and, and just be the kind of witness that will, will honor you and make you proud, make you happy. Father, we're going to fill out a card, a communication card, Lord, as we sing a song and, 
And Father, um, I pray you help everyone here to think about seriously what they want to put on that card, what they want people to pray about. Maybe they need to confess something. Maybe they need help with something. Father, let let us uh, take advantage of that communication card today. And Father, um, help us give generously. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.